Well, I find that it is the closest thing to sharing your soul with somebody. Welcome back to the Warm Lasagna Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Lepsor, and it's so good to have you back. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go to Mooresville with my husband to visit his parents. And while we were there, we got a lesson in canning tomatoes from his cousin, Susie. I guess she's my cousin now too, since we got married a couple months ago, which is very exciting because Susie is an incredible woman. She is one of the most creative people I know. She is an artist. She is a cook, a chef. She has professional experience in the kitchen. She can do pretty much anything You know, she's got just so much knowledge and expertise, yes, about food, about cooking, but also about life and also about how to connect with people and just the merits of creating community. She has an adventurous side to her and she has incredible stories about her life as a performer and just interacting with all kinds of people. Um, She's welcoming, she's open, she's accepting, she is thoughtful. She's, she's frankly a joy to be around. And I'm, I feel privileged just to be part of the family now just to get to be related to her. In this episode, we talk about her garden, growing up in the South and learning to cook while she was also a professional performer. Um, her training in a French bistro, some of the dishes that are her go-to comforts, and just some strategies for building confidence in the kitchen for those of you who might be just starting out or might just be dipping a toe back in the kitchen now during COVID. So I'm so excited for you all to get to hear this episode. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Yeah, without further ado... Here is a pot of corn with Susie. One of my favorite cooks, and I think because she had her own acres of gardens, Mm -hmm. so she grew all of her own food, was my Aunt Helen. And there wasn't a time, not one time, even as I got older into adult life, that she did not have a pot of corn on the stove for me when I got there. Oh, wow. So we lived about 45 minutes away from them. So for us to go there was a little field trip. Mm-hmm. You know, we looked forward to it. And she, and when she knew I was coming, she always had that pot of corn. Oh, wow. So even today, now I always put up corn in the summer. Uh-huh. You know. Oh, man. Yeah, you mentioned, you showed me a picture of your garden today. How did you get in? Is is gardening something that you've done, like, just your entire life? Or is it something you got into later in life? In my adult life. Uh Uh-huh. Because I was raised in Charlotte, we were a little bit more urban, Mm -hmm. you know, than my parents' families. They all came from the country. Yeah. And so they had their own gardens. Mm -hmm. They grew their own food. They had their own chickens and pigs and uh-huh. and everything, you know. So I think, again, because I find it to be a comforting feeling. In my adult life, 
I started wanting to grow things. Sure. And it was just that sheer pleasure mm -hmm. of knowing that you and Mother Nature were doing something together. Yeah. You know? I This year was the first year I ever grew tomatoes. And like I said, we don't even have a spigot outside <laughs> to attach a hose to. But just being able to watch like this tiny bitty plant yes. grow into this monster and then producing fruit. Right. It, that in and of itself is just so exciting to right. get to kind of nurture that along and just putting that energy and putting that love into your food. But starting with a seed and just like watching it grow right. into something and to be able to create with that too. right yeah and then that brings back the memories right that brings back the memories of going to my aunt helen's and having all that good yeah. home-cooked food yes you know. yes so you i mean with cooking i mean you took cooking and like you were you went professional with it how did you get into that? How did you start cooking for other people? Um, like at what age and like what were the circumstances around that? Uh, let's see, in my early 20s, I was a performer and a singer and a dancer mm -hmm. in musical productions, professional, cruise ships, Vegas, Atlantic City, USO tours, and because I was on the road traveling with the band, we never had good food. We always had to stop at, a, I mean, nothing wrong with Waffle House, <laughs> because I love Waffle House. Sure. But I'm just saying, those were our only choices uh -huh. back then. So, I bought a little hibachi grill mm -hmm. and a couple of pots, and I would have the guys bring their groceries to me if they wanted burgers, if they wanted something stir fried or whatever. And I would try to make us dinner. Uh, you know, I would try to make food for us. Yeah. And we knew that we were eating well and yeah. that sort of thing. Um, then I met Nigel, who is my ex-husband now. But at that time, I wanted to come off the road and stop touring if I wanted to maintain a a personal relationship. Mm -hmm. And he said, to, I said, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, he goes, well, you love to cook. Why don't you go down the street to that French bistro and see if they need any help? I said, I can't do that. I, I haven't been to school. You know, he goes, oh, believe me, you might get the job. And so I just did it. I went down there, I talked to the chef, and I think it was between myself and a culinary graduate wow. that he was considering for the position. And he ended up hiring me. And come to find out later on why he hired me over the culinary graduate is that he knew he could shape me into how he wanted oh. and the kind of cook he wanted sure. and to do it his way, not a way that had been taught you know, so he just found it the better choice for him. Yeah, so not having that training was an advantage for you. Then. It was an advantage for me. And then because I loved it so much, uh -huh. I excelled. So the confidence was built between the chef and myself that if he gave me a chore to do or something I had to uh -huh. make for him, I would follow his directions. I would, you know, play by the rules. Uh -huh. And... Uh, because I loved it and already had good taste because of my family, mm -hmm. um, that's how I got it. And then I started making desserts for him. We needed desserts. Uh -huh. 
And I told him, I said, well, I can make a pecan pie. And uh, he said, okay, go ahead. So I did. And it became like this big thing. People were coming by to have the pecan pie. Oh, wow. So that's where it all started. And ever since that day, I've just, you know, Never kept back. going. Yeah. That's right. Wow. So the pecan pie became a hit. And is that something that you just knew from like your family growing up? Yeah. And it was just from my like uh-huh. of that pie. Oh, I mean, that okay. was my favorite Southern pie. Amazing. Yeah. That's actually my favorite pie too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At Thanksgiving, I always go for pecan over pumpkin. That's right. Just, that's just my favorite. Delicious. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So how long were you at that French restaurant? I was there for a couple of years. Uh-huh. And then because my desserts were actually taking off, you know, mm-hmm. people actually wanted them. Yeah. They'd come back for them. Um, I had other people offer me in the business to come and make their desserts. Yeah. So I became right off the hop uh-huh. somebody that made desserts. Not always, you know, when you talk about a chef or sous chef or whatever, they don't always cross over into desserts. Mm. You'll find a lot of chefs are really good at uh, working with savory foods and adding a pinch of this and a pinch of that. But then when you roll over into a baker's mind, it's completely different. So very seldom do you find a chef that is also a pastry chef. Sure. You know, or a pastry cook, a cook or a pastry cook. It's very seldom. I don't, um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but their it's minds, just rare. yeah, it's just rare yeah. that they would have interest in both categories. Yeah, you know? pastry chefs have to have patience. That's the biggest thing. Mm. And I know from being both on both sides of the fence, yeah, that when I'm doing what's called real cooking, you know, on the line, working as a chef with other cooks, doing things very, very quickly, you know, I might be able to heat that pan up just a little bit hotter, mm-hmm. you know, to get my results faster right in pastries you can't do that yeah you've got to always be ahead of the game you got to know how long something's yeah gonna have to cook for and cool and cut Mm -hmm. and and whatever so that's the difference is I really think it's patience yeah yeah because baking it tells you what to do you don't tell it what to do. Interesting. Yeah. Whereas, like other cooking, it's you kind of are more of the director behind. That's right. You're uh, in control mostly. You know. Yeah. Interesting. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. What are some of your favorite things to cook, or like, um, what are the things you think you cook best, or the things that you just enjoy cooking the most, or baking? Hmm. I do love the southern foods that I was raised on, those are closest at heart. Um, And no matter what, they come out Mm -hmm. the way I want them. They just do. Uh And um, then I would have to say French pastries. After that, I love French pastries. Mm -hmm. Making your own puff pastry, your own pie pastry, your own uh, meringues and... uh, daquas and buttercreams and, and chocolates also you know handmade chocolates is another that's like some of the most challenging stuff to make too actually they are <laughs> yeah they really are i remember from our lesson with the cream puffs just how like complicated that was for me as a first timer learning exactly. learning learning that from you but 
Um, so it's cool to hear you say that that's like your favorite thing to make. Right. Um, I would guess too, it's probably pretty rewarding because you've put in the time of like learning that technique and kind of developing your skill set of being able to. And I also never stop studying and I still don't. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I study yeah. all the time. How do you continue to learn? Well, these days, aren't we lucky with the internet? Right. <laughs> All we have to do is type in something and boom. Yeah, yeah. But back in the day when I was coming up mm -hmm. in this industry, yeah. 30 years ago, sure. Um, we didn't have that. I had to buy books. I had to study. I had to cross-reference. I had to uh, compare that recipe to that recipe. And I had to trust what maybe a chef was telling me right. or another pastry chef. But it really is building a relationship with the food. That's how you learn. You've got to have the smarts. You've got to have the book smarts mm -hmm. of cooking. You've got to know what these things are mm -hmm. and the terminology and how to work with that. That's one level of the education but you gotta have the experience. Yeah. You see, back when he hired me instead of the culinary student, he knew the culinary student probably had the book smarts. Uh huh. But he didn't have the experience, the relationship with the food mm. of getting in there and and that's and doing it day in and day out and day in. Now, cooking has been described as an expression of love for other people. And you kind of were hinting at that when we kind of started this conversation. Like, how do you view that? Is that, is that an accurate description of cooking? And how do you show love through food? Well, I think that it is. Now, in my situation, I never had children. So I never had these little people to take care of and nurture and you know, make macaroni and cheese for them and watch them be happy. And, uh, but what I have had through cooking is preparing food and it always makes people happy. Yeah. It's just a way to make people happy. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Sharing joy. Yeah. Sharing joy. Yeah. And tradition. Mm. Tradition. Yes. Now, some people could give a hoot about tradition. Mm -hmm. Really. Mm -hmm. and maybe create new traditions for themselves. Sure. But every year, especially around holidays, I always do what our family did and what my grandmother did. What were those things? And I keep trying, you know. Yeah. What are those traditions? Um, well, we had pound cakes, um, pimento cheese. Mm. You know, these are little snacky foods. Um, any type of biscuit uh -huh. or bread. Breads were a big thing. We always had our turkey and our ham and things like that for holidays. But for example, my one grandmother was very, very um, farm related. And the other grandmother had a little bit broader uh, taste for food. Mm -hmm. She liked a little bit of Asian food mm -hmm. and island food. And, you know, and yeah. back then for her, I mean, that was pretty broad. That sure. was really... Sure. Stepping out of the box, you know. Yeah. But, uh, those, and so those kind of things I try to keep. Yeah. Doing, you know, chicken and dumplings and baked beans, potato salads, mm -hmm. just the typical Southern yeah. meals, you know. Yeah. Now you've lived in a lot of different places. Like what are some of your favorite food cultures and things that you've been exposed to through the years? Um, I lived in the Caribbean for a while and worked on a cruise ship 
and then stayed there for six months after my contract. So I was literally cooking with the Jamaican cooks, you know, learning about their fruits and vegetables and seasonings and Mm -hmm. how they grew things, how they caught fish in the rivers and out in the ocean and just their type of food, you know. Mm -hmm. But I'm always pretty... uh, I'm a purist when it comes to a cuisine. If I'm cooking Chinese, I'm cooking Chinese. Mm. If I'm cooking Jamaican, I'm cooking Jamaican. Yeah. And I'm going, you know, as deep as I can into the culture. I don't ad lib a lot Mm -hmm. with those things. I don't want to change their cuisine. Sure. I want to taste their cuisine. Yeah. I want it to be authentic. I want it to be authentic. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so living around, I lived in Canada for a while. Worked with a lot of great chefs. I also think that was a very fortunate thing for me. Mm. It just happened to be who I bumped into. Wow. And they were great, and they gave me the education I needed. Yeah. You know, so. Absolutely. Like, what advice do you have for people in terms of cultivating a sense of community and comfort and all of this? during these times where we are required to be distant and to take extra precautions and maybe don't have some of the usual comforts and and ease about our life that we typically do, like how are you making that work or what have you seen other people doing that you think is is working? Well, I'll tell you the truth. I am by myself a lot mm-hmm. other than visiting Leanne and Kelly and being around them a bit, but we, you know, maybe once a week we get together. And that's been wonderful. Thank goodness for them. But I'm sort of a loner, and so I've been able to get through this Mm -hmm. myself pretty pretty easily. Yeah. And also I've done even more cooking. Oh, You know, a lot, I found a lot of people are doing a lot more baking. Yes. I mean, for weeks, for months, I couldn't even find a bag of flour. Right. There was like a yeast shortage. Uh, Right. And I thought, my Gosh, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, but what a great thing. Yeah. If they are experimenting and doing yeah, that, people it's are a back in the thing. kitchen again. But it just cooking just makes me feel whole. It makes me feel comfort in these hard times. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Even though I sit and eat by myself. And yeah. Sure. That sort of thing. But I'm sitting there looking out the window at my garden. Yeah. I'm loving every minute of creating my little world. Mm-hmm. You know, things have been so much calmer and yeah. less pressure. Um, and I know it's been hard on a lot of people. There are many components to this uh, COVID-19 that has affected a lot of people's lives. Sure. And I've been fortunate enough that I could, you know, be, have a roof over my head and have my little southern groceries in there and mm-hmm. cook up my soul food. And, yeah. And make myself feel good, you yeah. know. Yeah. What are those go-to things for you if you're having a rough day and you just need some comfort from a meal? What would be your go-to? Well, always corn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The pot of corn. The pot of corn. Yeah. Now, is that just like ste- like stewed corn? Or? Yeah, like sautéed corn. But in the South, they call it fried corn. But it's not fried. Yeah. <laughs> they call everything in the South fried. Okay. But it's not fried. Gotcha. It is just corn that has been cut off the cob, fresh, mm-hmm. not cooked yet, just scraped off the cob. And also the second scrape to get all the corn milk oh. out of the cob. 
It all goes into a pan together with a little bit of butter and a little spat of bacon grease. Oh, That really is. Sure. (laughs) That is the most important thing in Southern cooking is that little spoonful of the worst thing for you. (laughs) But the most delicious. (laughs) The most delicious. (laughs) Now, what is corn milk? So that, is that like, is there liquid inside the There is. When you, when you slice the kernels off Uh with a a knife, you know, you're going around the, um, the corn cob and slicing all those kernels off with a knife, you slice down, down, down. Then, after all the kernels are off, you turn the cob upside down, mm. you scrape down, down again, and that knife pushes all that so-called corn milk uh-huh. out of that. I never knew that. And that's what makes your corn, if it's good and fresh corn, that's what will make your corn nice and thick when it cooks in a pot, oh. like cream corn. Yes. Cream corn doesn't mean you got cream and corn. It's just a term that's used. So if the corn milk is plentiful uh-huh. in the fresh cobs, that becomes the liquid in the corn kernels cooking it. Uh-huh. And that's what thickens up and then Oh my god. You know, just pure heaven. I never knew about corn milk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that seems like such and a And what a waste thing. it would be if you didn't use it. Yes. That's what's amazing. Wow. And I've, I've never done that before. Right. I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. Wow. So a pot of corn, what else might you make at home just for you or for comfort? Uh, definitely chicken and dumplings. That always comes up. Um, coleslaw, baked barbecue chicken, mm-hmm. anything grilled. I do like to grill a lot. Uh-huh. I love Southern barbecue, mm-hmm. pork barbecue. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah, so those are sort of comforting to me. Yeah. Those were the things that when I lived away from here, you know, I would have given my left leg for it. Sure. You know. Sure, that remind you of home? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, you have to try. You know, a lot of people say, well, I've never done that. I can't do that. I you know, I wouldn't even know where to start. You know, this sort of thing. You really have to push yourself mm-hmm. to learn about it. There's, you've got these days on the internet, like I said earlier, you've got a world uh-huh. of information out there. You've got videos to watch. True. <laughs> that will teach you step by step. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would recommend people to take that effort. Start building your confidence mm-hmm. in cooking yeah. because I do think we've gotten away from it mm. as a society. Yeah. We really have depended on restaurants and they are great and everything. But the average young lady, mm-hmm. you know, I'm almost 60. So when I say a young lady in her early 20s or whatever, I mean, you'd be, it'd be hard to find somebody that really knew how to. Yeah. To cook. Yeah. Because our society kept us moving so fast. Sure. That the only way our parents could keep up was by throwing food at us and just saying, eat it. And Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's just the way it is. But I think all of us have learned through this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Everybody has learned how good it feels to sit down and eat. Yes. At the table. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Absolutely. I think everybody's been reminded what they are missing. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, I think you're right. And it, it's kind of like what you're describing of like, you, you would give an arm or a leg to just be able to go back to when you could have a pot of corn or something like that. I right. think that's coming up for a lot of people who maybe can't travel to see relatives, especially who've moved out of state or to another right. country. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, perhaps using this time as an opportunity to really just give it a whirl, see what happens. Right. Yeah. Just give it a try. And, and, and you to- will make mistakes. There's no doubt about it. You'll burn something. You know, you'll put too much sugar in something, too much salt. You know, you're going to make mistakes, but that's okay. Yeah. Because you're going to learn every time you do it. Exactly. Every time you do it. This has been a really great interview. Well, I've enjoyed it. I didn't think I would, but I I mean, you know, at least I'm able to speak my truth. Thank you so much to Susie for taking the time to sit down with us and help this podcast get up and running. Really appreciate it and really appreciate all your wisdom um, always. If you like what you heard today, please jump onto iTunes and give us a positive rating or anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Go ahead and give it a five-star rating. If you're into it, help us spread the word. Tell a friend. Sharing is caring, so spread the word about this podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, and get into the kitchen. Try something. Don't be afraid. Just get in there and give it a whirl. And I'll look forward to talking with you next time.